I'm your host, Francis Tapon, and welcome to the Wander Learn podcast, where we discuss travel technology and transformation. But guess what? Since this podcast started, we haven't really talked about technology. And so I'm going to dive into that in this episode, where I interview Maxi Ismailov, who's the co-founder of Winding Tree. Winding Tree is a startup that is a nonprofit in the blockchain space. You've probably heard about blockchain, maybe associated with Bitcoin. We kind of delve into what is the blockchain and why is this important, how many blockchains are out there, and how will the travel industry and travel consumers, customers, be impacted by the advent of this technology and what is Winding Tree trying to do in order to impact that in a positive way. This has the potential of being quite transformative in the travel industry, and so it's something you want to keep on your radar. And don't forget to check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash ftapon. All right, I'm here with Maxim Ismailov. Let's start off with the first thing. Tell us a little bit about Winding Tree. Why did you get the name? It's a nonprofit. Why did you guys pick the name Winding Tree? <laughs> that, that's a great question. So, so uh, when we were choosing the name, we already had the domain name uh, available. You know, that's, that's the real reason. And winding tree, the tree is, uh, is a good symbol in all cultures. Um, and, you know, just in my mind, when, when a tired traveler goes somewhere, where would he get some rest? Under a tree. So it's, you know, kind of a good symbol for, for travelers as well. Um, and uh, uh, there is a song by this band, Blitz and Trapper, actually. I think it's called The Tree. It was a long ago, so I think that's where I heard the phrase, Winding Tree. And it's kind of interesting, you know. I like trees. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I. I hike a lot. I do a lot of backpacking. Um, okay, so now you guys are going to be having an ICO, an initial coin offering that's coming up uh, this week. And so I wanted to find out why does the world need yet another initial coin offering and tell us about leaf if i'm pronouncing it correctly and why can't uh winding tree just use ethereum which is a well-known contract-based blockchain cryptocurrency right so, so it's a common misconception that the token that we're issuing is just a payments token and and many many people think about bitcoin or ethereum um like about just a payment, uh, means of payment, right? Which is absolutely incorrect. So Bitcoin, of course, it's a means of, mean of payment. Uh, it's, a, it's an electronic version analog of cash, right? Um, but it's far more than that. You know, you can run smart contracts on top of Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and Ethereum, you, Ethereum is your... Uh, token that you can use to run calculations on this global computer that anyone at any time, anywhere can access. And, and that global computer is, of course, the Ethereum virtual machine, right? So, so that token has its own use. It's not just a means of payment. At Winding Tree, the need that we have uh, goes, goes far beyond uh, you know, just a uh, means of payment in terms of the token that we're creating. And actually, we created our own token standard uh, that is right now acknowledged by many other players in the blockchain space, and we created it in collaboration with the team from Open Zeppelin. But Augusto Lemble, who is uh, our blockchain architect, he's the author of that token standard that's uh, right now being adopted by many other players in, in the blockchain space, as, as I said. And that token, that standard, allows uh, for sending a, a lot of different data uh, when you send the token along with, with, again, the value that the token represents. Uh, so we need, we need a new token, absolutely. Ether by itself cannot uh, hold that amount of information that in the travel industry we, uh, we need to pass along when the reservation is created, right? So give me an example of some practical example of what Ethereum, because Ethereum is a, is a smart contract with a cryptocurrency built in, if you will. So people will wonder, well, you know, why can't I just say I want two rooms uh, at the Sheraton 
next Thursday night and build that into my contract. If I don't get those two rooms, I don't release this money to you. you absolutely. You, you can do that. You, you know, and, and the beauty of, uh, again, the blockchain space right now is that we're trying so many different things, and that's how we innovate. That's what innovation is about. We're trying multiple different things. Are we 100% sure that our model is going to work? Where maybe smart contracts like you're describing are, are going to work for everyone. Um, maybe, maybe you're right. But our intuition, and again, we have a lot of experience in, in the blockchain uh, space. We have a lot of experience in the travel space as well. Uh, our intuition and our assumptions are saying that uh, your version that you've just described is too technical. Uh, it's, it's too, so, so with just Ether as a token, it would be more complicated to create those smart contracts. What we've created, again, the, the, the token standard, the standards for smart contracts that we've created, we're creating right now, um, aim to remove the barriers for entry for all sorts of players, for hotels, for airlines, for all sorts of travel companies into this technology. Um, you know, the example that I could give you is maybe uh, the difference between low-level programming languages and, and high-level progr programming languages, right? So with Bitcoin, you can also write smart contracts, but it's too cumbersome, it's too complicated. The, the language is not even Turing complete, so it, it just takes a lot of time and, and a lot of effort to write smart contracts there. With Ether, less complicated, uh, but again, the uh, Ethereum has its own limitations, and, and Ether as a token has its own limitations as well. That's why people have created the, the ERC-20 uh, token standard on top of that, uh, makes certain things easier. So basically, would you basically summarize that LEAF, the, the token that you guys are doing on this ICO, that basically it will make it more user-friendly for people to enter into travel-specific contracts is that the, the main thing as opposed to doing some complicated uh, transaction through Ethereum? Simplifying the process? So again, it's, okay. it's, not, just, it's not just for the travel industry. That token standard is um, designed to just hold more data. You can send more data with it. Um, and, and again, I'm not the person who created it, uh, uh, but there, is, there are many benefits to that type of, to that token standard, to that token, ERC-827. Right, but that token standard, how is that token standard different from LEAF? Is it the exact same thing, or is LEAF added a, f a few more features that are travel-related? So with LEAF, when we were designing it, we figured out that we need to send more data with, uh, with every transaction. That data can be bookings, that data can be uh, user information, all, 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 that, all that kind of stuff. And we figured out that the the existing ERC-20 standard cannot can satisfy our requirements. So that's why we created uh, ERC-827. Um, and we were talking to the team of uh, Open Zeppelin, um, and in collaboration with them, we created this new standard, ERC-827, which LEAF is built on top of that standard. You know, there are many reasons. It's not just the only reason why we need uh, yet another ICO, um, we absolutely need motivation. Our team needs motivation to, to create uh, these things, uh, right? I mean, we have to pay our bills, we have to eat. Uh, and again, but the only way we benefit from creating our own token if the marketplace is, is successful, you know, and I encourage all the listeners of this podcast or readers of the article uh, to look up white paper and, and just read about how how we made it, how we aligned the goals of everyone who's involved in the platform to make that platform successful. With Ether, you cannot you, okay. you, cannot, you cannot do that. You know, if you don't create your your own token, you don't have any motivation to uh, to work on a project of this scale. Besides, you know, some open source. Uh, besides, you know, the, the the desire to create something in the in the open source. But in this case, the platform would have moved so slowly, and you know there would be no marketing, there would be no Lufthansa, there would there would be no nothing. Okay, what about Maxime? Let's go on about who should involve get involved in this ICO. Who should? Are you targeting more big corporations in the travel industry? Are they the ones who are going to be buying a big chunk of the initial coin offering, or it's more like people like random people listening to the show 
or you know, reading the article? We definitely are targeting travel travel corporations. Uh, first of all, corporations of all size, and not just corporations, companies, uh, hotels, airlines, rail companies, um, and. Our philosophy here kind of grows out from the philosophy that we had and still have at uh, Travel TechCon, which is the first event that I co-founded with uh, Marina Berzovska, uh, the first event uh, of its kind in the travel industry, the first event that caters to software engineers in the travel space. There are no other events uh, that do that. Um, and the philosophy is if we if we practice what we preach and everyone says uh, we live in a more and more technological world, well, therefore, all the companies, all the companies, not just in the travel industry, have to become technology companies. They have to be, to be technology savvy. And they don't do that. And that's, that's precisely the problem in the travel industry right now that airlines and, and hotels and many other companies have delegated their technical prowess to some other people. And again, when you, when you go to your mechanic and your car, uh, you know, seems to be fine, but he says, hey, uh, you need to replace this part and it's $5,000. And of course, you have no idea what, what part he's talking about or, or where it is, um, but you don't want to risk. You pay the money. You, you don't want your car to crash or, or be stuck somewhere, right? So, so that's precisely the, the uh, thing that happened in the travel industry. So we have to be more technology savvy, all of us. And uh, that's one of our assumptions, and that's something that we want to see in the travel industry. All sorts of companies becoming more technical, and we want software engineers from those companies that become more and more technical because we live in the big technology world to get involved in the creation of the standards, so to go on our GitHub page and, and start digging there. And, and we have uh, already, we have a bunch of contributors that work uh, on, on our open source code, the smart contracts, the standards, all sorts of things. Um, so more than anyone, uh, there are different layers here, right? So in terms of buying lift, travel companies, but also individuals who will be paying, we're sure, with the lead in the future. Uh, in terms of being involved in our project uh, at a variety of different levels, there's GitHub, uh, where we publish our code, we are welcoming anyone, everyone, people from Expedia, people from Priceline and Saber, uh, come work with us. It's completely open source. We're backed by a nonprofit. Um, they can use our infrastructure as well. Yeah, so, so basically, people who want to get involved, they're going to have to first, if they don't already have Ethereum, they're going to have to go buy some Ethereum and then be able to participate in the in the ICO and buy some LEAF tokens from Winding Tree. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. So we only accept Ether. And then, uh, so the next question is, what is the biggest misunderstanding that you would like to dispel about the LEAF token and the ICO that's coming up? You know, in the travel industry, uh, there is a misconception uh, that we're somehow just facilitating payments, and, and that, that I hear a lot. Again, uh, that, that misconception grows from the misunderstanding, misinterpreting uh, of what, what crypto tokens are. People think that it's just electronic cash. Well, it's not. It's, you know, the implications go far beyond that. Um, in terms of other people uh, not interpreting correctly what, what we're signaling is, well, some people think that we're going to create uh, the next intermediary, the next OTA, which is exactly the opposite of, of what we're doing here. We're creating a, a completely decentralized protocol. Everything that we do is open source. And uh, everything that we do is to prevent not just the you know, being an intermediary for ourselves, but pr to prevent uh, creation of further intermediaries in the future. And a lot of people in the travel industry, by the way, are afraid of uh, not Priceline, not Expedia, but of Google. And Google has, you know, all the all their sources and all the motivation to be the next intermediary in the travel industry. They have Google Flights, they have Google Hotels, they have everything. 
But what we do here is we're creating a platform that right. would prevent that. Explain a bit more when you say this misconception that people have that there's this is basically a payment platform. Uh, what else would you be providing in Winding Tree? What we what we say on our website, we are a platform for decentralized travel distribution. And that's, I guess, the best way uh, that we've found uh, to describe what we're doing. Uh, what we're doing is, well, many other things, many, many things, right? So, but let's start with the first one. So right now, the biggest problem in the travel industry as we see it is the intermediaries being the, the, the bottlenecks in terms of data processing, in terms of sending data uh, about travelers, about availability back and forth, right? So airlines and hotels, they complain all the time. The data that they receive from OTAs and GDSs, and those are the intermediaries that I mentioned, Priceline, for example, and, and Amadeus, right? Um, the data that they receive from them are, are obfuscated. They don't even know your email or phone number in some cases. And so airline that receives a booking, there's only a name there. What should they do about it when the flight is delayed or canceled? They cannot even contact that person, right? Well, that's, that's, that's one problem. Uh, uh, the problem is a very, very big problem, and that's why we created this nonprofit foundation with the goal of fostering innovation in the travel industry is we want to enable innovation, right? Why? Because right now, again, the data is, is controlled by those gatekeepers. So innovation for us is trying things fast, uh, failing 99 attempts out of 100, but finding that one thing that worked and scaling it, right? In the travel industry, that approach doesn't work. So I've, I've spent five years, the, the past five years in Silicon Valley, and, and the mantra there uh, is fail fast. Again, not because you want to fail, but you, because you want to find those things that didn't work very quickly. If it takes you a year to find one thing that doesn't work, well, in six months you're out of money, right? And that's a problem. In the travel industry, we cannot iterate as fast because imagine you're a small team with uh, a few software engineers and maybe a designer and manager, whatever, um, and you need data about hotels, about airlines, about all sorts of other things in order to test your assumptions, in order for you to fail fast. You cannot get that data. You go to those intermediaries and they say, what is your volume today? Oh, it's zero. Oh, sorry, we don't care about you. When our APIs, and I quote, are not designed for new projects. That's what they say. So we cannot fail fast in the right. travel industry. So, so what we want to create at Winding Tree here is a set of completely open APIs where anyone can integrate with uh, very quickly, fail fast, if you will, uh, find a uh, you know, working solution and, and scale it. That's, that's how we want to enable innovation. What we bring for the first time to the travel industry, there are no other projects like that. We bring open source. We bring true collaboration. Uh, it, it's not the collaboration that you could see in some sort of incubators that those middlemen are, are putting up as we speak, where they just poach ideas and, and talent. No, we are a nonprofit. We don't want anything from you if you're a startup. We just want genuinely honestly, openly want to help, and we expect some help uh, from you as well in the form of, you know, working together on those open source standards and, and APIs. That's it. Well, there's a lot of questions about uh, blockchain because it's a term that's thrown out there a lot, and people are imagining, okay, you're disrupting this whole industry, you're knocking out the middleman, and so what happens now when I make a booking, let's say, at the Sheraton Hotel, and then the room that I reserved is not the room I wanted, or maybe they got over, the airline that I booked got overbooked and I have a problem with the, basically the contract. If I have a middleman like an Expedia or a Priceline, I have someone, some recourse to go to who's going to help me out resolve that, to resolve that problem. But if I'm skipping them, I'm just a, a little guy against this big corporation and I went directly with them. How, does, how do those types of issues get resolved? 
Well, um, you should own, our, our philosophy is that as a user, you should have all those records and, and you will have all those records on the blockchain immutable. Uh, so no one else can delete them or modify them, even if the airline, again, that uh, uh, over, overbooked their flight and, and uh, you, di you didn't fly you know, at the time that you wanted. Even if they try and edit that information on their end, that, in, that data will still be intact on the blockchain. That's the beauty of that system, right? So when you had that transaction, uh, it still holds true, right? Um, our philosophy is that as a user, you should own your own data and you should have access to all that data. Uh, and, and again, that philosophy will be ingrained in all the smart contracts and standards that we're building. Right, but so on a practical level, I mean, in the end, I still have to go myself and complain to Sheraton and just say, hey, look at our record on the, tra on the, on the blockchain. As you can see, I booked two rooms. You didn't give them to me, or I, and then they should compensate me. And if, I, if they don't compensate me, it's up to me, I suppose, to hire a lawyer if I want to sue them or whatever. The LEAF token itself or somewhere in the Winding Tree blockchain, is there a reputation system built in there so I can give a negative review to Sheraton if I had a bad experience with Sheraton? Absolutely. It's a, it's a huge part of what we are envisioning that's going to be uh, a, a part of the APIs and then the reputation system uh, and uh, more than that, not just the reputation because the reputation system needs the identification system. And we're working very closely and, and we're constantly keeping our eye on other ID uh, projects in the blockchain space because identification is, is a hot topic in the blockchain space as well. We, we didn't see uh, any projects that uh, would be truly decentralized so far, uh, maybe with the exception of Viewport, uh, but that should be a part of it. And the reputation absolutely will be a part of the platform and you c can live the negative review. In terms of fighting those evil corporations and evil airlines that, that uh, sometimes break your nose, uh, there are laws, and, and, and again, if you have a record of, of what's happened uh, in terms of emails, in terms of uh, some pictures, I think it's, it's very easy to, uh, well, I cannot say very easy, never easy. So with the ID system, you're, you're thinking about, instead of inventing your own ID system, uh, incorporating an open existing ID platform of, that's blockchain-based, and bring it into the winding tree ecosystem. Well, absolutely, yeah. So if there are projects out there, and, and there are there, uh, that do that better than us, of course we'll do that. That's the whole you know, idea about open source and, and openness. Why, why would we write our own uh, system if we can take something that's ready, that's, that's scalable, that's uh, usable? And, and we're not writing our own operating yeah. systems as well, so we're, we're using Linux and Unix. <laughs> now, you've had some success uh, having gotten some good partners like uh, Nordic Choice Hotels, which uh, I think it's part of, the, part of the, they have several hotel chains in America, as well as Brussels Airlines, Lufthansa, and several others. So these are good uh, corporations, uh, travel industry corporations. Um, why, if somebody who's, has their own hotel or airline, um, why would they want to partner with Winding Tree? What do they get out of it? Three things. So all of our partners that we're working with today, we have three different layers, uh, three different levels that we'll work uh, with them on. So one is they, they actually, all the, all the partners that you see listed on the website, they all purchased Lyft tokens. Um, again, any travel company that wants to operate on top of our platform needs Lyft tokens. Uh, so they purchased Lyft tokens, uh, that's one, and they supported the development of the project in, in doing so. Uh, second level is they promised to give us uh, their inventory, and actually Nordic Choice is already uh, testing our smart contracts on, on the testnet. Uh, with uh, you know implementing their their central res reservation systems and other systems with the smart contracts with the APS that we have so far, um, and third level is they provide us with their expertise and actually Air New Zealand even committed 
the resources of a few of their developers to work on on up or on our open source code and our, our open uh, open source smart contracts um, because we need them. We we absolutely we cannot build things in the vacuum. We have to collaborate with those companies. We have to talk to them. We have to learn about what they actually need, and that's the third level that that we work them on. And we are organizing a series of workshops where we will be bringing our uh, airline partners and hotel partners together and just discussing about, uh, talking about how those things should be made. And uh, we'll be talking to their software engineers. Uh, so, yeah, that's very exciting. And again, we, we've never seen that in, in the travel industry. And, and that's very exciting for us. And I imagine that one of the things that they want to do is kind of protect the crown jewel, which is, you know, an airline probably doesn't want to reveal that they have 30 seats available the day, you know, three hours before the flight and then reveal that they have so much inventory for their flight and all of a sudden people will try to negotiate really hard down the price because they'll know they're desperate. And same thing with the hotel. Is that right? And so they have to somehow reveal their inventory, but at the same time not reveal it. <laughs> right. So again, on uh, our system, all those business models that uh, hotels and airlines are employing today, they will be preserved. They will be able to do everything that they that they do today, right? Uh, so what you're talking about is, for example, on your website, if you're an airline, you're not advertising that you have 200 seats available on the flight uh, and, and the price is $300 because you're desperate to sell all of them. No, maybe you show that you have 20 seats available for that price or something like that. And you still should be able to do that on the blockchain. There is no difference. You just don't show all the inventory. And you do it, again, in a completely automated way. Uh, or you, you were talking about overbookings. And that's a business model that, uh, well, for maybe passengers, it's unfortunate. For uh, those companies that want to scale, uh, and, and they, they, they know that a certain number of passengers or guests are not going to show up. It's a profitable business model for them, which, uh, again, Winding Tree is agnostic about all those things. They should be, if, you, if they're saying that they are selling 110 rooms uh, and, and the capacity of the hotel is 100 rooms, well, they can do it. So in some ways, it's, it's like kind of like an individual. I might have $10,000 in my bank account, but I only want to tell the, that I'm willing to spend only $1,000 for this flight even though I have 10,000, same thing. They have to have their own system that knows that they have 100 rooms available, but they only want to make 10 of them publicly available and publicly known. Precisely, precisely, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, it is, uh, I think maybe it's a little bit of a misconception as well that hotels uh, and airlines don't know what their competitors are selling for how much. Uh, I don't think it's correct because right now you can very again very openly you you go on on kayak on or on the airline website and you can see a, a seat map which seats are available and which seats are not available and again I'm not I'm not saying that information is correct or 100% correct definitely there is some sort of complicated revenue management going on um, but that same information will be displayed through the blockchain. We've now what a lot of regular listeners and people who are just average Joe consumers, average travelers, you know, they'll probably never hear about Winding Tree in their life. Uh, it's a back end solution. So, what do you envision uh, are these front end solutions that the customer will, you know, what website will they go to or how will they, you know, or what app will they use? Will there be a myriad of apps that are just all connected to Winding Tree? Uh, the winding tree blockchain is that how you kind of see it and and who's building these front ends yeah you're, you're absolutely right and just think about the kids today that uh, grow up with ipads in their hands you know my niece i i gave her a present a few years ago the ipad and uh well they're inseparable for her the concept of things existing on the internet and of the internet doesn't exist you know all the things that she interacts with through that device are on the internet one way or another right and and so so for her 
the concept, oh, I will go on the Internet and, and search for things or do things, well, that concept doesn't exist. It's, the Internet is ingrained in her life already, right? So that's, uh, that's kind of how, how we see it, you know? And another example I can, I can give you is, um, so for example, again, 30 years ago when you wanted to make a phone call, uh, out of your apartment, and maybe it was an international call. You didn't have a choice, right? So there was a monopoly phone company in your town. Uh, you pick up the phone, you dial on your rotary phone, you dial the number, uh, you get connected, you get the bill at the end of the month. Well, that's it. Um, today, with the existence of those open open source protocols, and again, I'm talking about HTTP, I'm talking about the whole family of protocols that we're using as we speak right now uh, through the internet, right? Um, with those protocols, right now I have a whole screen of applications on my phone that I, I can use to call pretty much anyone in the world for free. And it's not just a phone call, it's a video call, right? We couldn't even think about it 30 years ago. Video calls was this holy grail of communication, right? Now. You, you take your phone and you do it for free. How crazy is that? And that was possible precisely because of that completely open protocol, not because one monopoly company invented this and, and allowed us to to use it. No. This, this myriad of applications that we can use today for communication was uh, appeared because of those open protocols, and that's precisely what we want to do in the, in, the, in the travel industry. And people wouldn't even know that they're using winding tree protocols in the back end, as we don't think about, you open up, I don't know, WhatsApp or Telegram or some other chat application or, or video calls or calls application. You don't even think that you're calling on the internet. You don't even think that you're using HTTP or HTTPS or other protocols while you're doing that, right? For you, it's just a brand. It's WhatsApp that you're using. And for, for people, for travelers, it's going to be exactly that. You go to a website or maybe it's going to be an app on your phone or in your eye or in your brain in 10 years, right? And for you, you're using that app. You're using Lufthansa app that uses winding tree on the back end, just like today you're using WhatsApp and it's using internet on the back end. Right, no, I totally understand. And, and I think uh, people will eventually uh, get it. I think blockchain has got so many, uh, uh, so much confusion around it for people who are not really paying close attention to the space. Now you're thinking about, initially you have written uh, in, on, on the winding tree website and on your one pager, that initially you're positioning this platform as a business-to-business -business platform, but are you also, since it says initially, do you think longer term you're going to go to business-to-consumer? Maybe we were overly cautious here, but uh, we do not plan to build anything B2C. If you do that, you compete on the, on the app spent with Expedia and Google, and uh, well, that's just not the way to go. We, so as of now, we are not planning, and, and for the foreseeable future, we're not planning to build anything B2C. So who is going to be building the B2C? Who's, the, who's going to be this front end? Or, or can you name of any partners who are already deciding or have already launched the front end? Because without a front end, I don't know how far uh, Winding Tree can go because they need for the average traveler to be able to uh, interact with uh, the service providers on the blockchain. So, so we have a, a list of uh, about 150 applicants right now. Uh, and again, I don't know the exact number. Uh, my, my colleagues are, are on top of that. Uh, we have many, many companies that reached out to us that want to connect to the platform. It, I, yeah, I, the number is, is very big. I don't even know. Uh, is there Definitely, there are some big players there. Oh, definitely, over a hundred uh, companies are offering to somehow create a front-end solution for average travelers to be able to make bookings and correct on airlines, hotels, correct. other travel. Correct. And and it's not just the companies that will be doing, uh, will be creating, you know, as you're saying, interfaces that will be facing the customer, the traveler. 
it's a whole variety of, of different uh, companies that will be doing all sorts of different things on, on the platform. Uh, again, the beauty of the platform is that those APIs are, that we're building are, are really agnostic to what you can do. So you can build anything and everything on top of this platform. Do you want to build an analytics engine for a hotel to analyze their, their bookings? Well, go ahead. You can do that. Do you want to build an algorithm that would predict uh, prices for the airline for the next year? Go ahead. You can do that when you connect your APIs and analyze the data. Um, and, but I, I just wanted to mention that that's precisely the philosophy that I was talking about in the, in the very beginning when I was talking uh, about innovation, that we want to enable innovation, right? And here our goal is to create those APIs, to, to have those APIs so simple, so, so easy to work with that anyone and everyone, do you want to build your own travel uh, agency today? that uh, would bring people to Tanzania today, probably very hard. With Winding Tree tomorrow, should be very easy. That's our goal, at least. Now, you guys are a wi Winding Tree is a nonprofit organization, and so I'm just wondering where is the, if somebody is an investor and wants to get involved in the, in the Winding Tree protocol and the blockchain travel space, and they actually want to make a lot of money, uh, you've, you're basically... Your, the pitch of Winding Tree is we're going to disrupt the whole travel industry and take out the middleman effectively. And that means a lot of, you know, billions and billions of dollars that are currently going to the middleman are presumably going to be split between the traveler, the consumer, in other words, and the service providers like the hotels and the airlines, et cetera. And so that the you know whether it's 50/50 split or 70/30 split, but basically that pie is going to be divided between the cons between the travelers and the and the service providers, and the middleman is going to lose out on that. So, is there is there another entity, assuming that Winding Tree is not going to have a bunch of little fees sneaking in for every single transaction, uh, who's going to be capturing? Is, it, is there anybody else entering in, like an arbiter, you know, like a third-party arbiter coming in? Who else is going to be grabbing that, uh, those billions of dollars, or is it really just split between the consumer and the service provider? No one. There is no one uh, except for the miners that support the network. The, you know, in our case right now, the Ethereum network. Uh, miners, of course, provide their computational power and, and storage of their computers for a fee. And, and those, that's, that's where the fees are, uh, are going to go. But other than that, and again, with Bitcoin transaction, Bitcoin removes intermediaries such as banks from financial transactions, for example, right? There is still a minor, minor fee that you pay when you send a, a, a transaction on the Bitcoin network. Um, we do not envision and we want to prevent anyone, any intermediary to exist in this equation in the travel industry. And that, that's our goal because we absolutely believe that those trusted third parties are bottlenecks. There are security holes that uh, should be eliminated uh, from, from all sorts of networks. And, and humans are, are the network species, right? And, and we use networks everywhere. And, and in many uh, of those networks, uh, we just don't need trusted third parties anymore with this technology. It's, it's beautiful. It's going to change the world. Okay, changing the world. That's a good uh, to segue to my uh, probably my final question. Uh, speaking about changing the world, I remember back in the day when I was in Silicon Valley for <laughs> 10, 20 years uh, that the e-cash and PayPal was going to disrupt the Visa and MasterCard duopoly, if you will, and, and the whole credit card industry. And then uh, the credit card companies just quickly adapted, they pivoted, and they they adjusted to the internet and made payments via the internet possible and secure transactions. And then, you know, we still have Visa and MasterCard dominating the payment industry. So, uh, what if you're looking at the Expedias of the world, the price lines of the world, and all the travel agents of the world that are these middlemen, how are they not going to react to this and somehow still try to insert themselves into this and be uh, continuing to capture some of the profits and some of the service. I mean, their argument, of course, is that they're providing a service. that They're going to help you find uh, hotels or find you the best vacation or find you the best airline. 
uh, and they'll charge you a fee for that. What's to stop them from just adapting and and taking advantage of their well-known brands? It's 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 the beauty of this technology that when one company or or a limited number of companies wants to dominate it, well, the value just goes away out of the window. It doesn't make any sense for I don't know IBM to own Bitcoin, the, the Bitcoin platform. Well, it's just it's nonsensical. The value of the Bitcoin lies in the fact that no one owns it, no one can control it. So, my message to all those companies that try and do that, and there's a whole bunch, and I just made a comment on Twitter about TUI building their own private blockchain, Webjet, uh, I think Amadeus is doing something, and Saber. Well, it's important to play with this technology. It's an important exercise in this technology, what they're doing. But it makes absolutely no sense. The value of the blockchain as a technology lies in the fact that there is no one owner that can rewrite the ledger anytime they want. And they, they're doing precisely that. So they won't be able to do that. Another way of saying it is kind of like we have a we have a local area network. You have a private and local area network, and then there's the internet. Correct. And uh, what they're trying to do is trying to do a private blockchain versus a public blockchain. Is that fair? It's you know some people say it's a very fair analogy. Internet versus intranet. Is intranet useful within your your company? Well, yes, of course it's useful. You can look things up. Uh, you know, your team members and maybe pictures and maybe some email addresses, whatnot. Is intranet the technology that changed the world? Well, of course, no. It's the internet. All right. And so uh, let's end it on a little bit about the upcoming uh, ICO. Uh, give us a little breakdown on the details of what's happening. I think it's on Wednesday, is it? Uh, on February 14th. Is it Valentine's Day when it's it, 2018? It's, it's under, it's, it's right now, it's currently going on, uh, and it ends in, uh, uh, on February 14th, uh, and all the details are on our website. It's windingtree.com. Uh, we've uh, already, I think we've got about 14,000 Ether, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, we, we hit our goal. We hit a series of milestones uh, in, in terms of fundraising process, and uh, we got uh, to the point uh, where we wanted to, but the ICO is still going, and actually there is a chance uh, to get in. Uh, and in terms of incentivizing investors, I, I, I didn't answer your question. So in terms of incentivizing, in, incent I'm sorry, incentivizing our backers, uh, it's actually very, very simple when uh, when the ICO ends, we will never generate new tokens. And any holder of those tokens right now will benefit from the fact that uh, whenever a new company enters our platform, they will need to buy Lyft in order to participate uh, in, in the marketplace. And therefore, there will be more demand for that, and therefore the price will go up. Again, the price will go up. Uh, for the Lyft token, only in the case if the platform is successful, if we're doing the right thing, which of course we are intended to do. Uh, but yes, the more companies joining the platform, the more successful the platform is, the, the more momentum we have, uh, the more uh, the early backers benefit from that. And so our ICO is designed in, in such a way that Again, to my standards, to, to our understanding, it's one of the most decentralized, one of the most uh, completely uh, ICOs that, that followed all, all the standards, all the best uh, standards for, for ICOs. We didn't take any, we didn't cut any backroom deals uh, and gave uh, away crazy amounts of uh, bonuses to our early backers, absolutely not. We didn't have any institutional institutional no investors participating uh, in in this. Uh, maybe there are, but we don't know because our again our ICO is completely open to anyone and everyone except for the people in the United States, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, so ICO ends on on Wednesday, and I encourage anyone and everyone to read our white paper to understand how it works. But but. After Wednesday, there will be no new tokens generated. 
and that's that's the last chance to to get uh, those tokens for a relatively cheap price. And Wednesday we're talking February fourteenth, two thousand eighteen. And so, what? Assuming that anybody's listening to this podcast uh, tunes in after February fourteenth, two thousand eighteen, and they still somehow want to get involved with Winding Tree, maybe get some tokens. What do you suggest at that point if they've passed the February 14th, 2018 deadline? Right. So I think the only way that we're going to be giving away any tokens is when people would work for us. Yeah. So they can do that. Of course, they can participate uh, as we speak in our bug bounty program. Uh, so that's something that we would like to reward people for. And we have uh, a, few, a few interesting assumptions. Uh, that, that people have made about how our, our software works and they've found a few bugs, so I encourage you to do that. Other than that, it's not about speculation for us. It's about building the right thing for the future, uh, and, and we believe Winding Tree will be the backend for the travel industry for, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> okay, last question, just on a practical level, Maxim. If, if, if somebody is, let's say, I want to make a booking for the Four Seasons Hotel, uh, do I need to go buy the LEAF token in order to do that, or do I have to buy Ethereum, or can I just pay with my Visa? So, um, as you know, our platform is B2B, right? So here's how it works in a nutshell. So on, on one end, a hotel, hotel uh, connects to the network, right? And they say, we have 100 rooms available for whatever the price is. Um, on the other end, um, a website, a website that you created for the tours in Tanzania, right? Uh, and your, your travel agency combines airline tickets, hotel stays, and maybe some safari tours and, and whatnot, right? Um, I, as a user, I go to your website, I put my credit card on file, uh, I pay you with my credit card. If you want to take my credit card, you can take any other payment, including Lyft. You don't have to, but you can, right? It's just we don't want to change the consumer behavior today. We don't see that you know everyone will start using cryptocurrencies today uh, or tomorrow as a form of payment. No, it will it will take time. Maybe we'll get there five, ten years from now. The front end people are going to be the ones who need to decide what payments they take. So they might accept the Leaf token. They might accept uh, Ethereum or uh, or just uh, um, or wire transfer or credit card, all those things. It's it's not it's not, but in the end, okay. So now you're that front end. Let's say I have my own company, Best Luxury Safaris, here in Tanzania, and they let's say we accept just only credit cards, for example. Now I'm the business, and I need to get that Four Seasons hotel booking. Do I? How do I interact with the Four Seasons through the blockchain of Winding Tree? Do I need to then? Take that, take that uh, credit card uh, credit and then transform it into LEAF uh, tokens? Or is there some other way that I get that? Or do I buy Ethereum? How do I get that money now to the force? Right. You have to, you have to convert it to LEAF. Yes, you're absolutely right. So at this point, uh, in this B2B connection, you have to convert it to LIF. Uh, or perhaps you had LIF uh, that, that you purchased previously, and you can send that transaction over to the the Four Seasons or whatever hotel you're uh, selling in your platform, um, and and they can uh, they, when they receive that transaction, when they receive that let's say a thousand dollar dollars worth of value, they can convert it in Lyft. They can convert it to the United States dollars right away through an exchange, et cetera, et cetera. So, but in this B2B connection, the value transfer carrier is Lyft token. Lyft is not just a token, it's not just the, the value transfer uh, thing, it also carries information about the booking. So that's, the, that's one of the key value added is that they'll be able to know all the information about who is making this booking. Precisely, absolutely. Okay, and then we're almost up with time, but I just want to find out how close are, how close are we to then this becoming a, like let's say somebody's really excited and says, okay, I want to buy my Lufthansa flight using the, win, uh, the Winding Tree protocol uh, and I want to do it today. Can they do it today or do they still have to wait later on in 2018 when it's finally live in certain places? Right. With airlines, no can do right now. Uh, 
with hotels in the next few months, we'll see our first transactions on the blockchain for sure. Uh, airlines, later on, end of 2018, probably beginning of two, 2019, airline systems are much more complicated. So hotels come first, airlines come second. What about uh, there's, uh, for example, Airbnb, they have these experiences. You have a lot of, uh, in Africa, we have a ton of people who are tour guides, travel guides, safari guides. So they would love to be, into, you know, I have mountain guides going up Kilimanjaro. They just want to go direct to the consumer. They want to bypass the middleman. Um, these people, how did, how would they get involved? Oh, uh, so actually, you know, I mentioned that, that 100 or more than 100 companies that have reached out to us. Many of those are tour and activity providers. Um, some of them are luggage handling companies at airports and companies that have uh, lunges in airports. So there's a whole variety of companies. Uh, and again, our token and our standards that we're building will be agnostic to the type of inventory uh, or service that you can sell on the platform. So absolutely, that will be covered. So, so again, Airbnb or home rentals, they're no different from hotels. Uh, so that will be there very, very quickly, uh, definitely 2018, and other types of uh, inventories or services will be on the platform very quickly. And if people want to kind of follow along and hear as these things start becoming available, both as a, as a traveler consumer, as well as a travel service provider, how can they kind of keep tabs with um, the, the Winding Tree project going forward? What's the best way you suggest for people to kind of follow along? Right, so um, end users, uh, we rely on, on the free market, right? So end users will discover new, new sites, new places where they can buy uh, travel uh, 10, 20% cheaper than in other places. So market forces will uh, help us uh, in, in this. But in terms of the news, uh, anyone can subscribe on our website for a newsletter. And, and we're sending away uh, about once a week a newsletter with all the latest news. Um, so that's maybe the best, best way to, to keep in touch with our team. And that's windingtree.com. Windingtree.com, yes. All the information is there. And that concludes this episode of the WanderLearn podcast, where we explore travel technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to WanderLearn.com and click on the latest episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F. Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F. Tapon is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. Here's one last reason to remember ftapon. If you like what I do and want to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash, yep, you guessed it, ftapon. That's where you can pick up some sweet rewards for as little as $1 a month. And remember, subscribing to the WanderLearn podcast helps, but downloading each episode helps even more. Please share the podcast, review it, and sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. This show was edited by Rejoice Tapon. The music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon, encouraging you to wander and learn. <laughs>